Welcome to another episode of the MS Burgess. Hello! It's a very excited hello from you today. Yeah, it's nearly Christmas. Is it? Yeah. Is it really? Yeah. How far is it now? Uh, it's nine days. Nine days. Great. Yeah! Anything new with you? No, nothing new with me. Nothing at all? No, not that I can think of. Okay then. <laughs> Anything new with you? No, there's nothing going on lately. Um, it's been relatively easy. I mean, I'm, uh, I get quite, I don't know, it's, I suppose, it's normal in a sense. Like, I kind of think that, like, what I'm saying is normal or what I'm saying is relatively quiet. I still get all the same, you know, normal, like, anxiety stuff and, like, worries and, do you know what I mean? Like, I think it's odd because there's, it, it's not like, I suppose when you, everyone else feels like relaxed or calm or do you know like kind of thing, there's like a genuine calm. Yeah. I feel like there's nothing making it worse. So there's nothing like exaggerating it or making it like, there's no like big stuff going on that's like making it uncontrollable or whatever. But uh, yeah, I think when I say like everything's fine, everything's fine in a sense, but not, not like how it would be for other people, I guess, if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, um, no. Like, I'm still having the same stuff. I'm still getting, like, obviously, like, agitated. I'm getting, like, uh, you know, I have issues with certain things. Some stuff happened this week with some people that said some things about autism that, you know, wound me up like it normally does. Uh, But, like, nothing out of the ordinary, I suppose, when I say there's nothing going on. Uh, It's just interesting. I always think about, um, like, what kind of effect that has if you have that all the time. You know, there's that constant... Because I don't know if that's the same for you. If you have like the constant, uh, like wave of whatever. What uh, anxiety? Yeah, I suppose. Like, do you mean like, oh, like people? This things like trigger my autism more so, like just by what people are saying or like certain things that are happening. But that happens like on a day to day basis. So, for me, it's like it's it's normal. It's not something that I would. Do you know what I mean? Like, feel like reporting back on or like saying, oh, yeah, so this happened because I just feel like eh, it happens all the time. Uh, and I think that's a lot the same for a lot of people with autism is you you have obviously good days and bad days. But even on the good days, you're having things that are affecting you, but you're dealing with them. So that's considered like a good day. As yeah. opposed to, I suppose, bad days for me are when the things are happening that I'm not able to control my own behavior towards them. Um, I still feel like an internal issue with a lot of things but it doesn't like come out like you know externally to people or that kind of thing if I've gone a day where I haven't like had some sort of like external issue then uh, yeah I consider it a normal day yeah does it making any sense no yeah I get I get exactly what you mean I do understand yeah whereas I don't know if you have that mm, no probably not I don't know if you have like an underlying like, like I've always got like a level of anxiety most of the time it's always there. It's either just really weak or, you know, really bad. Uh, but I wouldn't say that I'm ever really anxiety-free. There's always something, you know? Yeah, I, I kind of feel like the same. Probably, well, I don't know. Probably not as, not as much as you, actually. I think I do get anxiety-free times if I'm in my flat. Yeah. And nothing, yeah. Maybe. Do you ever wake up in the night? No. Yeah, see, I get that. That's one I've never noticed uh, you ever talking about. 
but I get uh, and it's weird because I'll just wake up in the middle of the night um, for no reason uh, that I can think of. You know, normally like when you've got something that's keeping you awake or like I suppose from what I know from neurotypical people I've spoken to, you wake up in the middle of the night because there's something happening at that time. So there's something going on at that point in your life. Yeah. Um, and it's usually like quite a big thing, like you might lose your job or when you've got like relationship problems or, you know, bills or something like that. That's the kind of thing that like wakes neurotypical people up in the night. Or stops them from sleeping that I'm aware of anyway. From like, I'm not. This isn't like a generalization. This is what people have told me in the past. Yeah, has kept them awake at night or has woken them up in the night and they've not had like a, they've not just slept through. Whereas for me, it's a case of sometimes I'll just wake up in the middle of the night and feel like a level of like worry or my I'll wake up my brain's just like suddenly awake. It's kind of like my brain's not doing whatever it does when it's asleep it's kind of trying to do the things it does when i'm awake so it wakes me up to do them you know yeah like the thought process and that kind of thing and i think like oh i'm wide awake but it's like three in the morning and i'm thinking why am i wide awake at three in the morning and then i start uh i start looking at like what might be going on or what it could be and i can never like figure out what it is how often does this happen i mean sometimes i can go like months without it happening at all but recently in the last couple of weeks i'd say i've had it like a couple of nights oh wow three nights where i've just woken up one night i woke up like three times in a row uh for no reason like eventually i go back to sleep but uh yeah but i can never work out um what's causing it yeah sometimes like try and think about what it is but then i can't pinpoint it at all so i just think i don't understand where this is coming from and then i just try and go back to sleep yeah, but, no, um, I don't. I don't have that. I sleep through. Yeah, yeah, you sleep through anything, actually. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a solid sleeper. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, for today's episode, we're going to do a. Um, well, I will say first that people have requested that we do a physical contact episode. We did do a physical contact episode. I think about a year ago. It was one of our earlier ones. I'm sure I had to look through uh, the episode listing to find it. Um, but people are asking that we cover it either again or we go into stuff we didn't go into in that episode. So we will probably revisit physical contact, except I haven't heard the whole episode, the old episode for a while now. So I can't remember what we actually talked about in it. So uh, for those of you that have requested that we do a physical contact episode and you have heard the original, then that's fine. It's obviously we missed missed something or they want like more detail or that yeah. kind of thing. But if you ask for a physical contact episode and you don't know there already is one, give it a listen first, see if it's uh, see it was ever, and then like maybe give us some feedback on what you think we should do more in detail wise. I'm gonna try and listen to it this week at some point, and then maybe next weekend when we record the episode, we'll do the physical contact again if I can work out what it is we're missing based on what people have said. Yeah. Uh, but this week, I'm actually going, like I say, at the moment, we're doing uh, topics suggested by people. And this is one that I've got on the list of ones that have been asked for. People want to talk about, it's kind of like independent living um, and also like moving out. Because both of us moved out of our house when, well... Our parents' houses. Yeah, our parents' yeah. houses, yeah. We moved out like from the family home to go to university. You left like the east coast to come to bournemouth yeah i left the east midlands to come to bournemouth and somebody was just asking like how that works and obviously me and you live independently now yeah um i've had social workers in the past uh but i i don't know i kind of got given one i've had two but the first one i got given was just after i was diagnosed and 
it's hard because I mean you've never had one since you've no, been no. diagnosed. I mean you've obviously you've been diagnosed fairly recently. Loads of people that have listened to our episodes yeah. know that you're. You, it's been less than a year since you yeah. were diagnosed, uh, and obviously you've not had a social worker and you've lived independently for a while. Yeah. Um. But like for me, I got diagnosed when I was twenty six. So you know I've been diagnosed. Um. Eight years. Yeah. Yeah. Eight years, and they gave me a social worker to start off with, and they were to help me with like bills and do you know what I mean, like the things that you're so you know that kind of thing. But I I've always found like with social workers and I had a key worker at one point that they didn't know what to do with me. Yeah. I mean, you've not had a social worker because you feel like you don't need one, and I had one, but the social worker and the key worker I had, I think they were used to dealing with people that couldn't do stuff. Do you know what I mean like couldn't um couldn't more do- like cooking yeah cause washing cooking and washing couldn't do yeah. bills couldn't you know set stuff up and that kind of thing um so yeah somebody's asked like how we personally uh you know felt about i mean initially moving out and then how it is to live independently with uh with autism especially because obviously if you're in independently with a physical disability you can still do things like you know setting up bills and like yeah. that kind of thing. You've only got like, if it's like a physical one, like um, if you've got issues like with mobility, it's just the getting to and from places, you know, like that's the issue. Like if you've yeah. got to physically go somewhere to do something, that can be a problem. Whereas for us, there's loads of things that people, you know, want to know like how we've coped with it. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like just living like this kind of like life, but also like how you leave the family home anyway because obviously when you're in the family home so like back when we both were yeah like obviously things like cooking and um yeah you know like bills rent yeah whatever that kind of thing it's all done by your parents yeah uh you know and they sort that out so yeah i was just wondering i mean because obviously back then i mean how did you feel because you left you left fairly recently so i was going to start with you anyway okay so you lived at home and yeah. then you moved to Bournemouth. Like, how was the feeling of... Because that's like a... I mean, how far away is it from where you were to um, here? You've driven back with me. It takes about four... It's about a four-hour drive. Yeah, so, like, you're moving, like, way away from that. Yeah. Um, so, like, how did you... Because, obviously, you didn't know you had autism. So, like, how did it feel on doing it? Did you, like, worry? Because, I mean, we do... You've changed jobs a couple of times since yeah. I've known you. And that was, like, a big deal and a big um, change, yeah. You know, like, because you, I know that you've swapped jobs a couple of times. You obviously used to work with me, and then you went somewhere else, and then you went somewhere else. And I remember being with you at the time when that was happening, and you did worry, you know, on the first day there. Yeah. Um, Because obviously it was a new job. You'd have to get, like, a new routine and a new, you know, everything. And obviously for us, once we're in something, it's fine. Like, with most things with autism, once you've done it a few times, you work in your routines and how to do it and that kind of thing but when you move house you're changing everything yeah it's not like when you move down the street like you left i guess everybody you knew uh all the routines you had uh, you changed the area so you moved you know a, a town that you know where everything is and how to get about yeah um and you came somewhere completely different yeah like i saw that when you changed jobs you did it and you're good at just doing stuff, but I could see there was like an internal thing going on with you about doing it. You were a bit worried. Uh, you were a bit panicked about like, because the times are changing, that kind of thing. So I'm just wondering for you, I mean, because obviously you don't know if you remember it wasn't, I mean, how long has it been now since you've not been 
Where uh, you so I think I moved out just over four years ago. Yeah. So do you do you remember what it was like doing it? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I don't know. It's really strange. I feel like I don't have the necessarily the right thing to say because when I was younger, if I had to go to a sleepover or a school trip that was overnight or anything like that, I completely freaked out. I didn't really do sleepovers if I could help it. And if I did have to go, I'd usually pretend to be sick and come home like that to my parents' house or something. I just I hated it. The idea of doing that just freaked me out so much. I didn't like doing anything overnight or away. So I thought that uni would probably be a similar thing. Um, but actually, it didn't have that sort of the whole build up to. So I, I moved to Bournemouth to come to university. So I was moving to halls of residence. Uh, is that like a thing yeah. elsewhere? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was like a big block of flats that all students lived in and mm. um, my main thing when coming to university the thing I looked for in the unis was that the halls of residence had an ensuite bathroom because I didn't want to share a bathroom with strangers because the idea of that really freaked me out so I was looking for a place where because you you live in a flat the flat's about well for me there were five people in my flat I think that's about standard about five people that live in the flat with you but you all have your own bedroom and I was also looking for us all to have our own bathroom in like in the bedroom so in ensuite and then we shared uh the kitchen and kitchen and living room area so that is why I picked Bournemouth because I wanted uh somewhere that had ensuite bathrooms and Bournemouth did so <laughs> that's what I, I went for. What do you mean like, so that's how you decided on the uni? Yeah, that's right. how I picked the uni because I didn't want to share a bathroom, um, which now in hindsight is because of my autism. It just meant that I could be more self-contained. I only had to leave my room to get food. But I could just bring the food back to the room with me. Yeah. It just every it just made it easier for me to feel comfortable with the move, I think, knowing that I was going to be moving into a very much like a self-contained area but when it came to actually moving um I don't know if it just didn't didn't resonate with me that I was gonna move so I didn't have any worry or fear in the build-up to it mm. I actually didn't really have anything like it's almost I didn't think about it at all and then on the actual moving day it was the same thing it was a long drive um like I say, it's usually about four hours, but I suppose because it was kind of the standard students moving in day. <laughs> um, so the roads were really busy and it actually ended up taking about eight hours to get here, I think. Maybe six, maybe I'm exaggerating. It was about six, six to eight hours. It was quite a long journey. Yeah. And that was with all the stuff as well. So it was a, we were in a van. It was quite heavy. Um, so we moved... <laughs> yeah yeah um and yeah it was it was fine I didn't actually really think about it there was no part of me that was particularly nervous or anything I more felt really good about it uh my parents dropped me off which you know I think that's quite a normal uh thing so both my parents came with me they dropped me off uh they helped me put my stuff into the room 
I loved the room. You know, it's it's very basic. It's it's a bedroom with a, a single bed and a desk and a couple. It had, I think, three drawers. Oh, and it had a wardrobe. Yeah, it did have a wardrobe. So it was very, but that was it. So it was very like standard. But like, how did you adjust to, obviously, you're living in a hallway, because they are like a weird corridor with just rooms in it. Yeah. With a bunch of people you'd never met before. Obviously, there's like the weird etiquette of like the cupboards and, you know, who goes where in the fridge. Did you ever have like meetings of everybody on the floor where you all got to talk to each other and that kind of thing? Like, I mean, like, because obviously it's, it's you're being thrown into a scenario with loads of different people. Yeah. Um, everything's changed because I'm assuming you had routines when you lived back home. So like, you know, where you would have dinner or during you know, a going to work, like the area and that kind of thing. Like, did you just not feel anything towards the fact that your entire environment had changed? <laughs> All your routines that you had were gone. Like, how did you deal with, like, I suppose the displacement of everything because you're having to then cope with it all or just well, was there nothing no for me there was nothing I, I loved it I actually just loved it everything about moving for me was brilliant so I feel like I should have more of a story about it, but I, I genuinely had nothing there was no fear and when my parents left on the, the first day when they they went home I loved it I settled straight into putting all my stuff in my bedroom exactly how I wanted it um making my bathroom exactly how I wanted it everything was how I wanted in terms of the flat so yeah I lived with four other people that was actually really easy for me um I think it's because and this is different to pretty much every other person I've spoken to but our flat were very separate so Everyone I lived with was fine and we got along fine, but we never hung out as a flat. We never did flat activities. We never sat in the kitchen and ate dinner together or did anything like that. We weren't going in and out of each other's bedrooms. We just didn't have that relationship. We were five people that lived together in this flat, but we weren't a a group in any way. We hardly spoke to each other at all, really. Um, which which suited me really well. I imagine if it was more of a sociable thing of, oh, let's all hang out in the kitchen and do stuff like that, I, I don't think I would have felt very good at all. Um, I think that would have stressed me out. But no, we were very contained. We never had any of the standard... Uh, you hear about people arguing all the time about who used the milk yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never had any of that. We all got along really just fine. Like, we, we cohabited... <laughs> cohabited? cohabitated we did that together really really well I had the girl in the bedroom next to me um was very much like a party animal so she went out a lot she went out almost every night and she did have a habit of coming home at about three or four in the morning and then putting her music on really loudly it you know she was quite inconsiderate I'm just gonna say it but it was irritating but then at the same time, in my first year of university, I didn't have a job. So I didn't have to really get up for anything. It just didn't... There was nothing about it that would cause me that much annoyance. I did start putting my headphones in to go to sleep so that I could cover that up. And it was a little irritating. But it, to be honest, it, it was fine. It, it was fine. I actually loved it because I found that I settled into making my own routines really quickly and what I noticed about 
starting to live by myself was I, w I was completely in control of my own dinners so I could have whatever I wanted for dinner and also I could have the same thing for dinner every night which is and, and for like you know like my meals because it's such a big thing for me my meals were then completely my control I decided what food I had in I decided when I ate it I decided what I ate that for me was brilliant like I really settled into that I knew exactly where I was at with my food and I, I I loved that I really did I got myself into the routine of waking up at uh, I usually got up at sort of six every morning and went for a run and I, I didn't worry about disturbing people because um because I didn't in, in the way the flats are designed it was just literally walking out my bedroom door walking out the front door it was all very quiet whereas before in my house I'd have had to climb down the stairs and I was worried that that would wake my parents up it might wake my dog up and then if my dog's awake he might wake other people up but I didn't have any of that so I could just go for a run whenever I wanted I could come back from my run and have a shower because it was an ensuite I could do it in my room whenever I wanted it wasn't uh I wasn't worried about disturbing people or anything like that so yeah I really settled into the routine of it the fact it was a new place didn't bother me either because I just spent a couple of days walking around learning my way around and I don't know for me it was just a really good experience I loved it I loved every, I really didn't have any moments of sad I never I didn't have any homesick feelings at all I never felt like oh I really need to just go home and be back with my parents I um I just really settled into it and it I became a lot more independent I think it really stood out for me. When you go to university, people go on nights out all the time and they always want to hang out with friends. And I didn't I didn't do that. I didn't go on any nights out. I just sort of sat in my room by myself in the evenings and would read a book with myself or, you know, like just did things by myself. But that was fine with me. It didn't bother me. I liked, um, I liked that. And another thing that I really liked about being here is where... I was from I was so used to seeing people that I knew all the time when I went out for a walk I'd bump into people that I knew or you know bump into people that were family friends and things like that and I'd have to talk to them whereas I was in this new place all of a sudden where when I went out for a walk I, I never bumped into anyone that I knew so I, it kind of gave me this new sense of freedom as well I used to be a bit worried when I went for a run that I would see people and then I'd get a bit embarrassed because I've seen someone that knows me. I don't know why, but I'd be a bit embarrassed about them seeing me out for a run. But then here, I could go out for a run and nobody knew who I was. So I just felt very calm with it. I liked being able to go out for a walk and knowing that I wasn't going to just bump into someone and have to have a, you know, potentially an awkward conversation or anything like that. I really, really settled into it. So I, I think I have a different story to a lot of people, but... Yeah, I really liked it. For me, it was just a way to... I really got a hold of my routines. I really became independent um, and and it really suited me. Well, I um, like I say, some people that have messaged about this, they wanted to know because they're thinking about like going on their own or yeah. that kind of thing and how it works. But like, I suppose... So you felt nothing in the initial build-up to no. the moving and then during the moving itself... But because you, I mean, did you know when you were looking at like leaving and moving in there that you would have this level of independence or is no. that just something that, because it seems like that's why it didn't affect your um, burgers is because you, 
had control of everything at that point. You realised that there was so much stuff that you didn't have control of that might have been causing you issues when you were at home. Yeah. That now you live by yourself. You were able to literally pick the food you wanted. You didn't have to wait for bathrooms to be free. Yeah. You could come and go as you please without other people saying, where are you going? What time are you coming back? You know, and people would never ask that when you're at university. Um, and then you realise it's just... It's better, and there's the. Did you feel more, I suppose, relaxed once you were able to control everything that you yeah, did? Yeah, definitely. But I hadn't anticipated that. So on the build up, I didn't realize that that was going to happen. But it it was so crazy to me how quickly I settled in. I think it was like a, a week into it that I just thought, oh my god, I've spent a week just doing my own shopping doing my food whenever I want it, knowing exactly what I'm having for dinner. I've already set up this routine of I give my whole bedroom and um, bathroom a, like a big deep clean every week. You know, I had, had all of these things in place. I put my heating on at a certain time and I watched this in the evenings and then I read for an hour. Like I had such a, just a, such a, level of routine that I I got in so quickly that I just remember thinking this is great I've got I've got this all under control and do you think like being as far away from where you're originally from helped more so because obviously like you said if you'd have moved say you'd have left your family home and then just picked somewhere else like same place but just away I guess you'd still bump into people that you'd know and um, obviously like friends that you knew back then or like your siblings might just turn up at your house and like I suppose disturb the routine to some extent there yeah. as well yeah no it I think that was really really helpful for me and I definitely I think doing it via university first was probably quite helpful as well because um the accommodation that you move into halls of residence your electricity and water uh is all paid for you don't have to pay council tax so you really just have this fixed fee yeah which I think is a really good adjustment period because you it it makes it a bit simpler like you deal with the moving in uh by yourself you deal with the independent living first and then it was only like a year later that I dealt with the more real life uh money side of it because I know you pay you pay rent but it's like say that covers everything that covers all your bills so it's it's just a fixed amount you know exactly what you're gonna pay and you've already predetermined it they they instead of doing it monthly they did it in three yeah mine was the same yes every three months you just paid like one lump sum yeah it was a big payment every three months so you knew exactly when it was coming and I think that really made it easier because I'd already sat down with uh I think I sat down with my mum before I went to university and worked out that I would, you know, I had this money ready because I'd, I'd done a lot of working before I left for uni. So I'd actually already saved up enough to be able to go the year without getting a job, um, which, again, really helped as well because I didn't have the stress of working at the same time. Then in my second year, I needed a job basically straight away and became full time where you work to to cover my bills because then I started getting a bit stressed about bills and stuff and that definitely happened when I moved out of my halls of residence but I think it is a really good adjustment stage in between where you don't have all of that yeah I suppose yeah that makes sense because then you did it in bits so instead of like say you had not gone to university but just moved like four hours away from where you're from you would have had to you found a place 
then you've got like all these bills to set up. Yeah. And then you've got like things like Wi-Fi to install and get that sorted. Yeah. And then you've got to find like a doctor's and then a dentist and then you've got to find a job. And yeah, I feel like if you are on the spectrum, all that all at the same time. Yeah. Might have been difficult, but obviously with university, you've literally just got to move into your house. I yeah, mean, you don't have to worry about furniture either. Yeah, even with like the bills and the uh, all the that three monthly payment, it kind of just automatically went to them in your first year. Yeah, you didn't have to pay them. Yeah, there was a payment that goes in and then it goes out, and you don't ever see it anyway. Uh, so there was that, and then you you've got used to living on your own and being independent. So then when the next year comes, it's like okay, so now you've had a year of this. We're just going to add a couple more things. Yeah. And then your third year at uni is a couple more bits, and then after that, it's like okay, so you're not at uni anymore now. So now you've got to learn how to do the like the rent and the you know the electric and that kind of thing. But even then, for you, actually, no, yeah, no, that's that's where he was at that point. You were you knew me. Yeah. Uh, and I'd already been doing that kind of thing for a while, so I helped you set up all your bill payments and like how to do that and that kind of thing because you're not very good at um ringing people yeah so and obviously with a lot of them you've got to ring them to set up like direct debits and that kind of thing but you had me there for that and a weird thing with me and you is i can't ring things for myself but i can ring things for you and Mm. you can't ring things for yourself but you can ring things for me so we kind of just set up each other's stuff yeah we do yeah Yeah, like just uh, because i want to move on to you but just to break it up for me like because how this really helped was I had like I just said the halls of residence my first year and then my second and third year I moved into shared accommodation with some people that I knew from my first year already Mm. um very small groups my second year it was uh there was only three of us so it wasn't a big you know house full of people it was just a nice small contained amount Uh, and that's when I got used to paying rent but obviously split between the three of us uh, that's when we sorted out the bills. Again, we did it all three of us. We kind of muddled through together in working out how it worked, which was good. We set up the Wi-Fi together. So that's when we started learning bills and I got a full-time job to cover my bills because, you know, it, it, you really start to realise how expensive living is. <laughs> but so that happened. That was like my second year. It was also my third year as well. And then... um when you knew me I moved into a a new flat which was by myself so it was just me um which I guess is when I got the responsibility of everything being on my shoulders because I was paying sort of independently for everything um it's also when I first learned about council tax because you don't pay it when you're at university and it was when I got um furniture and used to having to buy your own furniture and then maneuver how to get that into your flat how to set it all up, where to go, where's like the cheapest place. So I think that's when I learned that was, I guess, for me, like the final stage. Yeah, I mean, I helped you with a lot of that stuff. Yeah. In a sense. But do you think like if you didn't know me, because you only really ever talked to me uh, and obviously other people that you worked with and whatever, I don't feel like you'd have got them involved in the process of doing it. So what would you have done at that point without me if like setting all your bills up and like getting your furniture and getting your furniture in and that kind of thing? I guess you'd have just, I guess you'd have had to have done it. Uh, yeah, I'd have had to have done it. It would have probably been a slower process and it would have been a lot more stressful. Mm. Um, like I would have got there because yeah, I, I'd have had to, but yeah. yeah, it would have caused a lot of stress. You don't think like having a social worker at that point might have been needed? I'm not saying like, 
I was like your surrogate social worker, but like, do you think you, I mean, you weren't diagnosed, you wouldn't have got one anyway, but would you have felt like maybe, say you were diagnosed when you did that, that you would have actually had to have got somebody from like the thing to help you or do you think think, you'd have just worked it out? um, I don't know. I actually don't know. I think definitely, I don't know, needed, I might not have needed it in that I may have got there eventually, but I would definitely say it would have helped or it would have been very beneficial. Um, Yeah, I mean, I got one because of that reason. Yeah. So um, I moved out of a house share where you just, I just paid once a month one amount and it covered everything. Yeah. So it was like a house share with like four other people and I just paid my landlord one amount every whatever, first of the month. And that covered council tax bills, everything, and all the furniture in there was their furniture. But when I moved out of there because uh, I had a social worker and they said that you shouldn't be living in a house share with other people like this. It's not good for you. Yeah. Uh, which I think I've mentioned before. It wasn't. I was eating like in my room and cooking either ridiculously late at night once everyone had gone to bed or too early when everybody hadn't got back from work because I didn't want anyone seeing me in the kitchen and I didn't want anyone knowing I was using the bathroom. So I used to sneak around the house a lot. Yeah, and they said that you can't live like this because you're just locking yourself in your bedroom and then only coming out when you think the coast is clear yeah. and you don't want to be seen by anybody else in the house. So they moved me to my own place, but my own place I needed furniture, I needed to set bills up, I needed to set everything, and that's when they got me a social worker. And my social worker found furniture, found everything, and then found a. They got me a key worker to check in on me like every couple of weeks. Um, and I always felt a bit like I didn't need the key worker to check in in a couple of weeks but because I didn't know what I was doing to start off with they were convinced that I wouldn't know how to look after myself once I was in there Yeah. Uh, and I guess it was hard to explain that I'd already done the living bit I just need to be set up first and then once I'm set up you can just leave me to do my thing yeah Yeah. Yeah. Um, how was it for you when you came to university Uh, I mean it was different for me because, I mean, obviously it sounds like you made like a conscious choice to leave um, the family home and to go here. Like you decided that's what you wanted to do. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting that you picked university based on who had an ensuite toilet. But if you explain that to anybody else, it sounds weird. But obviously to burgers, it makes a lot of sense. Um, <laughs> weirdly, my first year of uni, I lived in a unilet which yeah. is a house owned by the university and they only put like five people in them. I looked at halls and thought that sounds horrific, like living in one corridor with everyone and everyone having parties and everyone, you know, doing a certain thing and there's floors of it and there's like hundreds of people all in this one building. Uh, I straight away thought no. And obviously I wasn't diagnosed when I moved. I didn't get diagnosed until um, I think the year after I finished uni. So I spent all the time just thinking like that sounds horrible. I'm not doing that. And I remember watching loads of videos of like, there was like, they sent me like this DVD in the post and one was like, here's what Unilet looks like. Here's what Halls looks like. And then right. there was a third option, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, there's like a village outside the university that you could live in. So it was like a weird little village community. I thought you lived in the village. No, I did not. I lived right. I lived in, it was like a house further away from the uni. It was like a 45 minute walk away from the uni. Oh, okay. Um, you know where you used to live in that? Yeah. It was, uh, yeah. It was near there. Um, okay. So... Okay. I thought that because I wanted to take my car because I used to drive and I actually weirdly picked Unilet because that was the only one that had parking. It right. said that, and that even then it wasn't guaranteed. But I remember filling out the form for accommodation and thinking parking space. 
But also I was older, so I didn't go to uni until I was 23. And it also recommended that if you weren't 18, you <laughs> probably want to be in a uni let because halls is usually full of 18 year olds and like 19 year olds. And they'll just be nuts. And obviously at that point I was, I mean, I've never felt old. So I've never felt like a, I mean, I wasn't classed as a mature student because I don't think 23 is. No. But I was considered old in comparison to everybody else. Like most people that I did the course with, they were like, oh, 23, you're pretty old. Uh, but I never saw myself as old and I don't now. And we've done an episode on age and how I feel about age. But I, so I didn't pick Unilet because it meant older people. I just kind of thought like there's a house I'm used to living in a house. There's a car park. I'm used to having somewhere to park my car. So that'll be fine. Yeah. But the actual build up to uni, I didn't think I was going to go. Like the thing with me is, and I'm not the only one that's like this because I've seen this as a thing with autism, is because I'm not able to picture myself doing something I've never done before. So I'd never been to Bournemouth. I'd never really been to, I've never known university really. I'd been to uni before I moved, but it was a uni nearby and I used to just commute because I didn't want to live there. I didn't want to live with people. Um, But Bournemouth, coming to Bournemouth University was kind of, it was just like a series of events. I wouldn't say that I chose to go to university. It's just things happened that somehow managed to get me to go to uni. Uh, I was unemployed and my the benefits I was getting from unemployed were running out. And somebody said, well, you can go to college for free if you're unemployed. So I chose a random college course and that college course ended up making me go to uni. And the purpose of the college course was just to go to uni. I did access to higher education and that course. You just do like six random subjects. I was because I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. I just picked something that had a multitude of subjects because I was hoping that one of them would make me think oh I want to do this this is what I'm into I did like psychology sociology English and two others that I can't remember and I thought that one of them would give me a feeling inside on this is what I want to do with my life yeah and then I would pick a university course based on that because the access to higher education is a course that purposely sends you to uni but I got no feeling for the whole year I was doing it nothing Uh, And then by the end of it, they were like, you need to go to university. And I was like, oh, do I? So we did lessons where we filled out application forms and applied. But I never felt like I was actually going to go. Okay. So even when I filled the forms out and I got accepted to Bournemouth and I got accepted to the course I was going to do, I just thought, yeah, but I'm not going. Like it was all one of those things that I was just pretending to do because like a lot of things I pretend, you know, with the masking and that kind of thing. So I didn't think it was going to happen. And then obviously the move day came. Everybody knew I was going, like my family helped me do stuff if I say helped me they did most of it yeah so they got me like cutlery and like the things you're supposed to take with you and they tell you to bring like towels and bedding and that kind of thing so they bought me all that and even on the day that we were going I didn't think I was actually going so I was getting into the car with all my stuff and in my head I'm just like yeah but I'm not actually going to university I'm not actually leaving yeah this is just something I'm doing because you know you've got to go through the motions because that's what I did at college um and even when they left like, so when they left Bournemouth yeah. and left me there, I just thought like, yeah, well, you know, I won't be here for like only a couple of days. And I was like, it'll be fine. Um, so <laughs> I didn't really think anything of it. And my theory is really is there was so much change in one go with like where I lived and who I knew and what I did. Because I had I did the same things over and over again back home, you know, like routine and that kind of thing. I would got so used to like how my life was then that I just settled yeah, uh, and just got into it that I think because everything changed at once like I, I, I had a girlfriend when I moved from where I was to here and she wasn't about and I used to see her all the time 
And like, obviously I lived with my mom and I wasn't living there anymore. Uh, there was a bunch of people living in a house I'd never been to that I don't know. I kind of just couldn't process what was happening. So it didn't, in theory, I didn't really understand that everything had changed in one go. It was too big a thing yeah. for me to comprehend what I've just done. Like I couldn't work it out. Yeah. And therefore I focused on little stuff. You know, I, I started focusing on just my bedroom so like I, I did what I do when I was in house shares I just went into my bedroom made that like my space and then just lived in there for the first year I kind of talked to the people that I live with but only when I had to come out and mask so I did go on nights out and I did do stuff but I did very little interaction if it could be helped do you know what I mean like they all yeah. want to they're all nervous as well so they're all talking so I tried to do that and then I tried to get used to do you know what I mean? Like cooking my own food and making my own decisions because I'd never done that. So like um, I'd always just eaten what other people had like bought or someone would go, I'm going to get this. Is that all right? And I'd be like, yeah, sure, that's fine. Like whatever. Like, do you know what I mean? I'd never openly decided this is what I'm having for dinner. Right, I just got okay. in with what everybody else was having. So like whatever my girlfriend was having, I'd be like, yeah, sure, let's just have that. Or like if a friend was ordering something, I'd be like, cool, get me some of that too. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like here's some money. Yeah. Um. So like I then moved from the bedroom to focusing on food uh, but then, like, because everything that I was used to had gone, once I'd locked in a new routine, the new routine didn't include any of my old stuff. And therefore, I kind of let go of the old stuff. Yeah. So, like, the girlfriend I had that when I moved from there to here, I was calling her, like, every other day. And then I was calling her once a weekend. And then I just stopped calling her. Yeah. Because I couldn't incorporate it into like a active routine so that yeah. kind of just disappeared like I didn't even realize I'd done it you know until they're saying things like you, you never call me and I'm just like oh don't I yeah didn't I call you I swear I called you the other day and she was like you called me a month ago and I was like really uh, and then yeah I just locked in a new bit and a new bit and a new bit and then eventually my life became this is what it is now so kind of like you but I couldn't work on the big concept of what I'd done like yeah so I just focused on fixing little things at a time, getting this right. And then once that was how I liked it, do this, do this and do this. And I came to like really obsessed with that, that eventually it was fine. I yeah. didn't even realize what I'd done. I still now don't really grasp the concept of it. And obviously when people say things like you've got autism and, you know, you managed to leave home and move. Like for me, it's like a same. It's like a four hour drive away. Uh and no part of me sees it as an achievement because it kind of felt like I didn't really do that. So like, even though that is what I did, and if I explain it to someone, that is what I did. For me, it doesn't feel like that's what actually happened. What actually happened was somebody sent, I, I somebody like a group of events sent me to one place and I worked on fixing a bedroom. Yeah. And then once I'd fixed a bedroom, I worked on like food plans and I'd worked on this and I'd just done that and that's it. And I, I've never really processed the whole concept of what happened. And I'm like that with big events. I never really work on them. And I can't, like you, you can kind of work out what's going to happen and, you know, what you're about to do and you're good at, like, predicting or visualising the future, <laughs> in a sense. In a sense, yeah. I can't do it at all. Like, when there's big things happening, I uh, I just think, but yeah, but it's not really going to happen. So uh, I'll just go along with it. And I'm, it gets me into so much stuff. Like, there's so many things I've involved myself with or been involved with that I just think how have I got to this and it's because I just agree to things but in my head I think but I'm not really going to do that so it's fine 
Yeah. Uh, and that's how a lot of stuff has happened to me, I would say. Like a lot of things, people go, oh, you've managed to do that. Or how did you manage to do this? Or that's impressive that you can do that. I kind of just thought, yeah, I didn't think I was going to. I agreed to it thinking that it wasn't really going to happen. And then it turns out it was. Yeah. Uh, and then by the time it turns up, I'm so awkward and so like weird that I can't back out of it. Like you ever had that where something happens and you don't really want it to happen, but then it comes to the day of it happening and a normal person would just go, look, I'm not, I can't do this. I'm not comfortable doing this. But like, because of my autism, I, I, I literally can't. I just have to go through it. Just a simple thing of just saying to someone, I actually don't want to do this. Is that cool? Yeah. Uh, I, I can't even make the words come out my mouth. So, yeah. Yeah. I would say that me, you going independent and doing that kind of thing, it seems like it was a choice. I think for me, I'm not good at like knowing where to go with my life in general. So therefore, I kind of let, the situation dictate it instead of making a decision myself so I, I wouldn't say that i equally even though i said like this i didn't actively choose to move no it just happened you are you're a little bit more um you don't really do things unless you have to yeah, if, if, yeah like yeah. i think with you you don't um, like not just things like moving, but just in general, like anything that's kind of a big thing, you're not really the sort of person that would just be like, right, I'm going to do this. Unless it comes to a point of you have no other choice, you have to. Mm. I think you're more of a, if somebody else will do it for you or help you do it, then you will do it. Yeah, I mean, I... I've moved a lot of times since I've lived here. But an example of that that I can think of is I used to, in my third year of uni, I lived with my girlfriend and then me and her broke up like towards the end of the year and she just moved out. She just yeah. said, we can't be together because it was a studio flat. So it's one of those ones where it's all one room yeah. except for like the bathroom, which is one separate room. And I was living on like a, I was sleeping on like a fold out sofa in half of the room and she was living in the bed on the other half of the room. We kind of, not put a wall up, but like, you know, I mean, you could see that half of it was mine and half of it was hers. And she was just like, I can't, I can't live like this. So she just left. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I wasn't diagnosed then. I didn't have a support network. I didn't have anyone I knew because it was the end of the third year of uni and everybody had gone. So everybody that I'd done uni with, they'd either gone back home. Yeah. Or, yeah, I mean, they'd all gone back home. None of them were left in Bournemouth that I knew of. Yeah. So I couldn't ask anyone for help, really, because like I say, I wasn't diagnosed. So I didn't have... I couldn't have called like the Asperger team and said, look, I need help with this. So what happened was, is I just carried on living in that flat and I knew that the lease was up. Like I lived there for three months on my own and I knew the lease was up in three months time. Um, I was still paying the rent for the place, but it was really small. So the rent was actually really cheap. It was actually not that bad. Um, but I never looked for another flat. Never looked. Yeah. I knew I'd have to. And I just thought, like, well, I'm going to move out at some point. And, like, with each thing, that, and it got to, like, the last week before I had to move out. And I still hadn't looked at one flat. Yeah. Nothing. I'd looked nowhere. I didn't know what to do. And I ended up living at um, my boss at the job I had. She had a spare room. And she just took me on as a lodger. Yeah. For a month where I just paid her, like, cash in hand every week until I could find somewhere to go. And I just had to chuck out so much stuff because all I had was this one bedroom and I had to just take the stuff I needed, which was, uh, I had a, uh, a pet snake. So I took the snake with me and like my Xbox and my telly and everything else I just threw away and obviously like bin bags of clothes, but everything else I had, I just threw it because yeah. I didn't know what to do with it. 
And I was with her for a month and I just kept thinking like, okay, this is fine. And like if I can't remember what happened, but I, I knew I had to move out and I found one of those adverts, you know, like looking for someone, professional people only. You live in a house share of like people that are all yeah. sharing the rent. I saw an advert for that and just kind of went for it. But it was only because I knew the guy that owned the house. I'd lived in one of his houses before in the second year of uni. Okay. And he was the only contact I had and I texted him. But if I didn't have him as a phone number on my phone, she'd have ended up kicking me out because I would have never left her house. Well, I was going to say like another example is obviously you lived with Emily and when the two of you broke up, uh, Emily could afford the the place by by herself. Uh, But, you know, very nicely said to you, you don't have to move out. Like, I'm not going to kick you out. You can stay here for as long as you need. Yeah. And I think that was probably an error on her part because I think you would have just stayed there forever. You were in the living room on the sofa bed, but I think you would have stayed there forever if it wasn't like, I know your mum helped you. Yeah, my mum's the one that like helped me. Well, I mean, she looked at all the flats. I was going to say, your mum found she, she, found she, this flat. And... She arranged the viewing. She yeah. just texted me times of be at this address at this time. And yeah. she was like digitally looking at stuff at home. Like my mum completely found the flat I'm in now. And even then when I found this flat, like I had a look around, I took pictures and I was just like, yeah, I'm not sure. And I sent it to my mom and she was like, no, it's nice. Just take it. And obviously like I'm here now and I like it, but like they, this is how it works for me. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I feel like <laughs> had your mum not have helped you there. Yeah. I don't know how long you'd have been on Emily's sofa for. I was fine on Emily's sofa. I know. Like, you it, had no problems with it. You would. <laughs> so this is the thing with me. Like obviously with you, you like the independent living. You couldn't have lived on, on somebody's sofa and like no. that kind of thing. Um, but for me... I think once I've established a routine, no matter how bad it is or no matter how weird my situation is, as long as I've got a routine in place, I think I can pretty much put up with anything as long as I've got like things in place. There's no drive in me to sort it out if, no. if I've got, got it locked down. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's interesting because obviously like the people that I think the people that have asked us this question is because they're thinking about living on their own or... Do you mean like they live at home now and they want to leave now or they want to go to university? But obviously university, when you think about it, when I used to think about it, I used to think I could never do that. I could never do it. I used to try and watch shows to try and get into the like spirit of what it's like. You know, yeah. I mean? like I'd watch programs where it was just about people going to university. But even the silly ones, like I remember watching the young ones. And like, that's where they all live in a community thing. I just thought, I can't do that. I can't establish like myself as a person in a house. I was worried about having to pretend to be someone the whole time around a bunch of people I didn't know. Yeah. Like obviously back then I didn't know it was masking, but I know that I did know that I used to pretend to be someone I wasn't around people I didn't know. And the concept of living in a house full of people where I'd have to do that was, was awful. I thought it'll never stop, which is why I think I used to lock myself in my room. It's because I thought I don't want to have to keep coming out and pretending to be NT with everybody else day in, day out, 24 hours a day. Do you know what I mean? Like even the way I used to eat and what I used to eat, I thought I've got to eat like an NT. I've got to buy what NT people eat for food. I've got to use the shower and the bathroom like an NT person, which I didn't even know what that meant. No. But in my head, I kept doing that. I kept thinking like, I've got to be normal. I've got to be normal. I've just got to be like everybody else. And that's fine. And that's why I couldn't do house shares. And I do think that if you are on the spectrum and if you do move out of like your family home because when you live in a family home it's different you don't have to like pretend because you know you grew up with these people like if you if they think you're a bit weird they think you're a bit weird you're not that bothered 
But when you live with a bunch of strangers and if they think you're a bit weird, I actually know for you, I imagine you don't care if people think you're a bit no, weird. No, I was going to say, I think that's where we had a difference because for me, there was no part of me that went like, you need to pretend to be normal. People would go, are you going on a night out? And I'd be like, no. Also, I, I loved it because every like everybody else in my flat went on nights out all the time. So for the most part, I like evening wise, it was just me in the flat. I could cook my dinner uh, in the kitchen without anybody coming in and then I'd take my dinner to my bedroom and sit by my desk and there'd be no one in the flat so it was a nice empty but yeah I never cared about fitting in I didn't care if people went are you having the same thing for dinner again I'd be like yeah yeah you see I I didn't care I had to pick like five different meals for the yeah, week no. because I didn't want and then the things I really wanted to eat which was the same thing every day if I wanted to have the same thing twice in a row I'd be okay if someone saw me eating it the first time, but when it came to the second day, I'd have to covert eat it. Yeah, no, I didn't have anything like that. I was very, I just didn't, I don't, I don't really care about things like that. I know. Um, but then equally, like, I used to go on the nights out. So like if my house were going on a big night out as a house, I knew I had to go because if I didn't go, then I was worried about how people would see me. So I didn't used to, I used to just go on them. Uh, it sounds great staying out. Sometimes I wouldn't. So sometimes what I would do instead is they'd ask me if I wanted to go on a night out and I'd say, yeah, sure. And then what I'd do is I'd lock the door to my bedroom with me in it, turn my phone off, turn the lights out, pretend I'd gone somewhere and then wait for them all to leave. And then I'd just go around the house on my own because I knew <laughs> I could then. But it'd be so weird because they'd bang on my door just to see if I was in there. And I just thought, like, as long as I don't move or make a sound, nobody knows I'm in here. So it's fine. And then they'll all leave eventually. Uh, and then I'd always be afraid then to turn my phone back on again. So, like, I knew I'd have to. Mm -hmm. But I knew as soon as I turn it on, like, all the missed calls, all the text messages, all the voicemails would all come through. And I was expecting, like, really horrible, like, abusive messages and, like, that kind of thing. And then, like, the next day... I'd be like, oh, I've got to see one of them. And they're going to be like, where were you last night? And then I think, do I lie? I mean, I'm going to have to lie. I can't say that I pretended to be out when I wasn't out. Yeah. So I went through all like that all the time. So I do think, obviously, when my social worker said the best thing to do is for you to live independently, is I think that is, as far as I can tell, the best way for someone that is on the spectrum, if they're going to move out and want to, you know, leave home that the only way to do it in a way that's comfortable is to live by yourself. Because I can't see a way. Like, every time I've lived in a house share, or even with, like, girlfriends, um, there's always been... Actually, yeah, maybe not so much with Emily. Um, but, like, there's still that level of me that has to, like, pretend. Whereas, like, when I'm on my own, it doesn't matter. Like, when, you, when you're in charge of what you can and can't do all the time. But then I, I guess the difference I have that you don't have is I have this thing when because I've lived on my own a couple of times, is say I'm sat about playing on the Xbox and I've been on the Xbox for like three, four hours. Yeah. I start having these thoughts of like, should I be doing this? Should I be doing something else? What would other people be doing now? Should I be going out? Should I be joining like some sort of like night classes? <laughs> uh, like I just, wow. I start having these weird thoughts of like, am I wasting my time? Is like, am I wasting my life here? Like just doing this like day in, day out, the same thing, have a shower now, have food here, like that kind of thing. I, I get these weird like thoughts in my head sometimes where I'm just like, is this what I should be doing? I don't do it now. Now I'm fine. But yeah. back then, like 
just after I was diagnosed, because the first time I lived on my own was just after diagnosis, I was really comfortable, like, just playing, like, Mass Effect, like, back-to-back. Like, I played that game to death when I first lived on my own because it was great, and I didn't worry about people thinking about, like, what is he doing in there? Do you mean I just cooked my own food as I pleased? Yeah. Do you mean, like, I was like, I'll get a shower now, doesn't matter if anybody sees me, I can be in there a bit longer, whatever. It was great. But every now and then, like, when it was late at night on a Saturday and I'm just sat playing, like, a console... I would have this thought in my head of just like, should I be doing this? Shouldn't I be going out with friends? Should I text people and see if we should do stuff? And it was really odd. I just thought, but I don't want to. So why would I then put that on myself? Uh, But I felt like, um, is this not, is this like a misspent youth thing? Like, am I going to come to regret this later on? You know what I mean? Like, I'll be in my 50s and be thinking like, maybe I should have gone out more. You are a warrior, aren't you? Yeah, like, I mean, it doesn't happen so much now because um, like, whatever, I, it doesn't, it doesn't bother me but yeah back then um, even when I was on my own I had these weird thoughts every now and then not constantly but sometimes I just think like what am I doing I should be doing yeah. more than this you said that you think you were more yourself around Emily when you lived with Emily as opposed to sort of other people yeah but um do you think that well I suppose that was probably down to the fact that Emily was the first girlfriend you had after diagnosis and you you were very like upfront with her about it yeah do you think that that would help in other situations like a house share so if someone was thinking about moving out and they were going to be moving out and living like going to uni and living with others do you think it would be beneficial to explain to other people your autism so that maybe you don't have those worries or you can be more yourself or what do universities do if you tell them you're autistic before I, you move. I, I don't know about universities. I'm talking about the people you're moving in with. Yeah, I guess so. But like, would universities still put you in a house share anyway? I don't know. But I don't know because you can tell people, but I don't know if they know what that means. So like with my friends. Yeah. So I did live with people in a house share uh, after I was diagnosed, I think. Yeah, because your social worker got you out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I... They knew, but I knew them, so it was fine. But I did have to have, like, a sit-down chat with them to explain to them what that meant, Right. in a sense. of Not my doing. It's not like I called a house meeting and was like, right, we're going to talk about my autism today. But I did say to them, like, oh, I'm autistic, so, like, if this happens or that happens. But I didn't say autistic. I've only started referring to as autistic lately. I used to say Asperger's um, when I was first diagnosed. But then I found that when you say Asperger's, people just don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and then same with with autistic, they kind of get it. But then I feel like with autistic, they do make the wrong assumption or go to the worst. So it's, it's kind of hard to explain it. But if you know them, you can explain it to them. But then you're going to have to make sure that you explain what that means because I had to do that all the time. Yeah. Um, some people don't want to ask because they feel like it's not their place to. So when I did explain it to people, they kind of just went, oh, okay. And I thought, you don't know what that entails or what that means for us living together. But you're just agreeing to it because you feel like, I think you should just know what that is. And I know some people might get a bit embarrassed to ask what that is because they think that they should just know. You know, like with things like mental health awareness and like those sort of campaigns yeah. talking about 
do feel like some people just pretend like they know what it is because they feel like they should know what it is and they don't want to be seen as ignorant if they've never heard of it or don't understand it. Mm. So I tend to just go, but it's different for everyone. So like for me, and then I'll give a little bit of something which shows that I'm okay talking about it. And then usually it follows with them saying, oh, but what about this or what about that? And what does that mean about this? Uh, And then sometimes when something weird happens in the house, I'd just be like, yeah, I did that uh, for this reason. So, you know, I'd explain it that way. But it's still not ideal because I suppose like they still got to, you know, it's different in a workplace when they make, you know, uh, what's it called? The reasonable Reasonable changes. Adjustments, yeah. yeah. But during like that's because they're legally obligated to and they have to make the reasonable adjustments. But when you're living with someone like you've got to do the reasonable adjustments as well for it. And it's, you know, some people just want to come home and, you know, like they don't want to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think even like living with a partner, if you were like to move out and then move in with a a partner, that in itself can be quite difficult because um, a lot of the time when you're on the spectrum, you need a lot of alone time. Yeah. So living with someone can still be really nice and you, you still might want to do it, but... There may be a case of having to be like, uh, but it doesn't mean that we need to talk all the time. Sometimes just sitting in a room in silence <laughs> and I don't know, one person uh, reading a book like I really like reading, whereas I know for a lot of other people, they like watching TV. So sometimes it's just a case of maybe you like so the, the partner, like my partner could watch TV and I could be doing my own thing. So even though we're in the same room, we don't need to like always talk. We don't need to always be doing the same thing. And I think that's a... It's it's difficult to to know the balance of I don't always want to talk. Yeah, but then you, if you're in a relationship with someone and you're living with them, like they want to chat. Yeah. So like you've got to then. I mean, it's harder when you're on the spectrum because obviously you physically can't do it sometimes. Yeah. Whereas obviously when you're NT, you want to do it, but then knowing you can't, eventually over time, being told constantly, "I don't want to talk," like does have like damage eventually yeah, you start course. getting like insecure about just wanting to talk about your day with your partner because you're worried about what it's going to do so there still has to be a compromise you know like i used to think like well i'm the one with a disability so like i can't really control it so i just want you to understand but then i've kind of realized but you know just because they're nt doesn't mean that they have to just put up with me all the time yeah and you know there should be times where i know it'll be difficult for me but I should just talk about my day anyway, like, and ask them about their day and just do it because that's what they want to do. And you've got to kind of do that. Whereas I guess if you live on your own, then that doesn't have to happen. But then obviously some people like being on their own. Some people want to be in a relationship. I'm not saying that like, if you're on the spectrum, you've got to live by yourself and don't get involved with anyone and don't move with anyone. And that's the way to be like happy if you want to live, if you want to live like, I think it's just being open. I think the best thing you can do is just be open and honest, like uh, explain your reasons why things you like things done a certain way. And I don't know. I think the more you talk about it, the better it it is. I would say. But yeah, I I still don't see like the moving out and leaving the thing. It wasn't difficult for me to do, but like I say, that's because it kind of was a series of events that I just didn't think was happening to me and you you kind of actively chose it yeah but once I was in control of everything um I think that's the same way that neurotypical people work as well is once you've moved out of the family home and you've got that like independence and you you know 
you get to do all your own things, make your own decisions. A lot of people love that. It's just it, that it's yeah. just that initial push. And I think for autism, it's the same. You love it like neurotypical people love it, but you know, like everything, you love it for different reasons because you realise you're more in control of your own social interactions, what you can do and what you can't do. Whereas for a lot of people, you know, loads of people just go like, oh yeah, I can walk around naked now. So, you know what I mean? But that's, <laughs> that's all I ever hear from neurotypical people. I don't have to get dressed in the morning. I don't have to do this. Like, yeah. it's great. I love it. Like, I can do what I want. I can put what I want on the telly and, you know, I can make as much noise as I want. Whereas I think for me and you, it was more of like, okay, so now I get to control this part of my life that yeah. I've never had control of before. And now I get to work out a routine with this that I didn't, I couldn't do that in the past. And you just, there's more of that. You get to be more burger, I suppose. Yeah, you do. Uh, and that's why moving out was a good thing. Whereas I think neurotypical people, it's more of a freedom thing. Whereas I wouldn't say that, even though I am explaining a type of freedom, I wouldn't say that I felt a surge of freedom. I just felt more like, wow, there's all this stuff I can control now. And I didn't realise how much like anxiety it was causing me until I was able to control it. And then I was Definitely like, Definitely that, yeah. yeah. It's like you didn't realise how uh, how stressful it is until you, you have the... Until you can yeah do something about it. And then you think, wow, that used to really wind me up. Yeah, and then no you idea. think, how did I live like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I, I like my parents and stuff, but I don't know how I ever <laughs> lived yeah. with them, honestly. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, thank you everybody so much for listening. Yeah, that's it for this week. Uh, like I say, I will look at the Physical Contact episode again and potentially we'll be doing that episode next week. Uh, but also, if you've got any other suggestions, send them to us at themaspergers, uh, themaspergers@gmail.com. Or you can message us on Facebook. Just look for them, Asperger's, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're on all three of them. There's also a private group on Facebook if you want to talk to other people with autism. And just, you know, if you've got something that you want to ask, if you want to help with something, or you've just got, like, a couple of things you want to share with people, or if you want to talk about the podcast, that is also cool. Cool. Thank you, everybody. Bye.